Welcome back once again to season four of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking. It's called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season and last season has been focused on interviewing people who did or planned to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame the past. And as much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. This is what keeps the show on the air. You can also show your support by purchasing one of my many books or donating through PayPal or leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. You can find the links for the books or donation options in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. I have with me an incredible guest today who's had a lot of adverse situations and stuff that started coming up in his teen years. He had to overcome a lot of stuff pretty early on, but that struggle lasted for a while. And while he is now very inspirational, he helps a lot of people to get through some really tough stuff. Uh, we're going to be introducing him and having him show you, tell you all about his story because he's going to do a much better job of it than I will. And uh, welcome to the show, John. We're going to have you talk about who you are and where you came from. Hi, it's well, welcome to to me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I am excited to get to know you. I know you're a personal development coach now. I know that a lot of people who become personal development coaches do this because they've had to overcome a lot of their own past traumas and stuff, and they know what it means to do the hard work. Do you feel like that's how you ended up in what it is that you're doing now? Yeah, for sure. That is exactly the path that I came in here on because I have overcome so many things, and now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, I figured all this out and there's so many people still suffering out there that I feel obligated to help them overcome what's going on in their lives the way I did in mine. So it almost feels wrong for me to hold this all in and not share it with the world. I hear that. I'm working on a program now, a trauma recovery mentorship um, called Growth from Darkness. And I want to do basically the same thing. Uh, but without calling myself a coach, because I don't know why I just am adverse to using that word when it comes to me. It's very weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel similar. I yeah. sometimes just don't want to even say that. Or I'm like, I just want to help people. But right. I feel like people can comprehend coach more than other labels. And you don't have to explain as much. It's even hard to explain coach sometimes. Like, Oh, yeah. I like to know what people need help with before I'll tell them that I help people with things because <laughs> yeah. it's it's so custom to people. You know what I mean? Like everybody's individual. So right. I wouldn't want to be like, I help people like get in shape when you're already in shape because I could also help you with other things. It's like a life coach kind of thing. Right, right. And, you know, when I first started hearing the terms uh, life coach, my brain was automatically rejecting that as I don't need somebody to coach me in life. I'm already living. 
you know, and right. I kind of have this, this automatic aversion to the word, but the more that I've learned about what personal development coaching means and who people are that are going into this, the more I'm fascinated with the world. I mean, you do some amazing stuff. You really help people through some, some transitions, like you said, not just the physical side, but uh, through some of the darkest times in their life too. You know, let's, right, let's. Right roll this back a little bit. Where did you grow up? Where are you originally from? Um, originally, originally from New York, Long Island. Um, when I was 13, I moved to Pennsylvania and then I ended up in Virginia. I've been a lot of places, so I don't <laughs> know that I necessarily have like an origin per se, but definitely the Northeast was the first half of my life. Now I'm in Virginia. And okay. like we were saying before the interview, I've been in Colorado for a yeah. little while, I went to Maine for a minute. So I've, I've traveled some places. Technically lived in Italy for two months. <laughs> oh, wow. A little globetrotting in you. I love it's it. a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lived in Scotland for five months, 152 days. Uh, nice. But it was some of the darkest times of my life. So I, I, I constantly tell people that I lived there because it's part of my story. But at the same time, I wasn't really living. Uh, <laughs> It all kind of depends on your perspective, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. So you went through a lot of stuff when you were about 17, 18 years old. Can you carry us through kind of what happened? Yeah. So at that point, I had been living in Pennsylvania. And I mean, that transition from New York to Pennsylvania, I was 13 years old. So I was like just getting into puberty and stuff, <laughs> all the hormones of a teenager. Yeah. And yeah, just like that move, it kind of tore me out of my world and threw me into somewhere else. And, you know, my parents, we didn't have a lot of money at that time. So I was pretty limited in opportunities. And, you know, I just ended up hanging around like the wrong people, I guess you'd say. But the other kids who were in similar situations. And I guess, I don't know, I wasn't too, too crazy, but... You know, I was forming the wrong crowd. And at that time, my father also got diagnosed with a brain tumor. It was like non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. And, you know, I was already around a bunch of people who were into drugs and all this stuff and underage drinking. And I kind of just ran with that as like an escape and just my way of dealing with what was going on, which looking back now, it's like I would have done things so differently if I was who I am now. But at that time, I didn't know how to process anything. And I literally would just like not be home. I'd be gone for days. And that kind of, I guess, set up the next decade or so of my life where I just spent so much time just running to vices and running away from any sort of responsibilities. But it was like a pretty dark time in my life. So I'm over here in this, you know, I'm in high school. I don't want to be the guy that everybody's like, oh, his dad's sick on top of everything else. You know, just running from that too. I just felt like so many things in my world were just falling away from like that, that core belief system about life. You're like, oh, apparently like you don't live till you get old. I don't know. It just messed my brain up a lot. And I feel like it took a lot of years to get out of that. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So how do you feel like you were first starting to challenge this, this new wiring in your brain where you don't live until you're old? How do you start fighting back? That's a, so it was probably around 17 that that happened and probably not till I was like at least 30 to start thinking about something. I think, yeah, it was like probably 10 years later, 27, because I was just living this like reckless party lifestyle for that past 10 years of like since that happened for like a whole decade. It was just nonstop, just drinking drugs, partying, whatever I could do to not think about real life. I was very depressed, tons of anxiety issues. And I guess around 27, I realized that most of like the rock stars that like Kurt Cobain's and Jimi Hendrix's, they all died around 27. Right. So I think once I made it past that mark in my brain, I was like, huh, I might have to start thinking about a future now because I'm not overdosing or anything. (laughs) (laughs) right i really like my future to me for like that whole decade was i'm just gonna like live fast and die hard but somehow i just kept i don't know if there's like some greater purpose for me to be here i've been in like multiple car accidents police reports have been like these people should have been dead in the police report and for whatever reason i survived so much of this stuff that i see so many people not make it through like my high school friend group like we were talking about the people you keep around you also in our conversation before this and like all the people around me that I went to high school, I'd say 99% of them are either dead or in jail right now. Like I just, this morning, somebody friend requested me on Facebook that I went to high school with. And apparently he just got out of prison and his best friend is no longer alive. And I don't know like what happened to him, but it's like, those are two more people (laughs) that I was like, Oh, I went to high school with you guys too. And I don't know if I'm lucky because my mom moved me to Virginia before I got too deep into that world. But even here, I managed to just run from any responsibility. Like I said, I was partying. And I feel like I guess went off on a little tangent. But it was once I turned 27 and I realized I'm not having the same result that everyone else is having for whatever reason. And I need to start looking at my life that I started kind of thinking of improving my life. But I mean, it's still, it's really was when I had kids yeah. in the past, like four or five years now that I've really focused on personal development and how I can be the best person for my family, which has led me to want to be the best person for anyone I can be the best person for. That's pretty cool. Kids are so good at changing our perspectives on so many things. You just got to love the little boogers for that. They're they're such wonderful little tiny humans. How old are your kids now? Um, Two and four, about to be three and five. Oh my goodness. Two crazy little boys. They are full of energy. (laughs) They're such fun ages though. Well, I mean, terrible twos, but hopefully it's not too terrible for you guys. Oh, I mean, they... They test all the limits, but it's good. It's I appreciate these values they have. They are tenacious. I'm like, when you guys are adults, like this is how you need to be. <laughs> Don't take no for an answer, kids. <laughs> that is awesome. So I know you were suffering with alcohol and drug abuse and all that kind of stuff for such a such a, a brutal part of your life. Do you remember that never again moment? 
when it came? Mm. I I don't believe it was a moment. It was a slow process for me because I mean, there's a lot of people who went from alcoholism or drug abuse to like rehab and yeah. programs, AA, and I just did everything by my own bootstraps. Wow. So it was more of a like gradual, I'm going to do a little less of this, a little less of that. But it, and it started with cigarettes because I used to smoke so many cigarettes and I just decided I'm not going to smoke anymore. I think I was dating someone and she didn't like it at the time. And I was like, oh, that's it. That was like my step into self-improvement. Um, but in that process, you know, every time I craved a cigarette, I would do some push-ups, which led me to starting to appreciate my body more and not abuse it so much because that just snowballed into like me going to the gym, me like running races and stuff. And then I just put more of a focus on keeping my body in its best condition possible, which made me less and less want to abuse substances that would affect my performance. And it was strictly on that level for years until I decided that like the person I want to be doesn't do these things either. I had took like a conscious shift within the past five years or so that I'm not going to be the kind of person that gets drunk. You know, I don't want my kids ever seeing me drunk. That's stupid to me. Like, and it wastes my time, my energy. I don't want to stay out partying anymore. I want to come home and sleep because I wake up in the morning. I have routines I do. I have work to get done. Like, I don't want to sacrifice anything for these pleasures that do nothing for me and they don't serve me in any way. Right. So it's been about probably it's close to a decade now of actually it's over a decade. I'm 39 now getting old, but yeah, it's just been a process of just chipping away a little more, finding more purpose to not do these things and refining that to become who I am now. And there's just no, no even thought of going back. I pride myself now in being the person that drinks like a mineral water while everyone else is drinking at an event. And nice. I leave a little early because I got stuff to do. Like while you guys are all getting sloppy, I'm over here holding it together. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you mentioned something about you, you wake up in the morning, you've got things to do. What is your daily routine and your standard diet look like these days? Oh, that's also an evolution. But right now, um, I just came out of a time where I was, I was waking up at like four in the morning, going straight to the gym, hitting a workout seven days a week. And that kind of burned me out. So I've dialed that back. And now I wake up at like five, which is still early to 90% of the world, I think. Yes. <laughs> but it feels lazier to me for some reason. But I'll wake up at five. I'll do some like meditation, visualization kind of practices, get my mind right prime myself to seek opportunity in the day and to seek things to be grateful for and just really set my day up so that it's only like I used to wake up hungover and it was like that was the worst part of my day waking up I like didn't want to get out of bed I would sleep till like noon miss half the day and feel terrible so then everything in that day would just reflect that mood so now I try to set up my mood to be in a higher vibrational state so that the rest of my day 
is just a reflection of that. And whatever comes my way, it might change my mood, but at least I started it in a good place. And I started it seeking opportunity and seeking to be a better person and seeking to help the world. So I do that every day, get it together. There's like physical things. Like I'll drink a liter or so of water first thing in the morning to rehydrate. My diet is pretty, um, I don't know what you would call it anymore. Like I've done everything from vegan to carnivore, like testing diets out. And I've just taken pieces of everything and I have a more of a balanced kind of diet now. Oh, and nice. it depends what my goals are. Cause sometimes I'll be trying to lean up just to get like that physique going and I'll be at like a calorie deficit. So I'll eat a lot of the same things. I have a lot of like protein shakes for breakfast and like I eat, steak and ground beef and stuff but it depends if i'm trying to like put on more muscle i'll eat a little more but i i really regulate what i'm doing and try to eat quality foods try to eat organic foods grass-fed beef like the highest quality food i can get the most humane foods i can get that i feel good about and just try to have a balance not go too extreme very nice. I know a lot of people when they're trying to do like crash diets and stuff, the reason that they fail is because they're too restrictive. That you is a, a part of from, it. Yeah. You take a little bit from all these different things that you've done that have worked and you implement them into what works for you. There is no one size fits all when it comes to metabolism, weight gain, muscle gain, all that stuff. Everybody yeah, has some... to figure it out. Right. And there are definitely some principles that are true to like the human biological animal, but there's also so many nuances for each person and different ways, even mentally different ways people approach things where you can tell somebody who's super, like if you tell me to do the craziest restrictive diet, I'll be like, all right, I'll give it a try for 90 days. But somebody who's just trying to lose some extra weight might get discouraged on that in three days so you got to kind of make sure people understand it's like any form of coaching like we were saying earlier that you got to tailor it to people right based on their unique circumstances so it's the same with diet yeah yeah that's something that i've been struggling with for years now i didn't discover until i guess it was two years ago now uh that i actually had thyroid disease Mm, so at one point yeah. yeah that'll really screw you up um i i have several other autoimmune issues also like chronic hives and crohn's disease when i first discovered that i had crohn's disease my diet became extremely restrictive not because of i wanted to lose weight but rather because i wanted to avoid that intense pain that i was going through every mm -hmm. time i ate something my body didn't know what to do with it but right. it became so restrictive that eventually i started incorporating these foods back into my diet slowly uh, to the point where my body would build back up this, this strength to be able to manage them. But a lot of these foods that I was missing out on because it was so restrictive were the foods that were causing me to gain a lot of weight. So I was eating mm -hmm. a lot of ice cream and pizza and stuff that you really, you can't be downing this stuff every day. <laughs> no, but it's hard you know? to avoid it completely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, there's just no way. And I've learned that. I cannot avoid it completely. There's just, there's too many things in life that I love and I'm a huge food person. So I just published my first ever cookbook mm. and I, I love to cook. I love to eat. I love to entertain. Food is my love language. 
You know, mm-hmm. if I don't have this in my life, I feel completely worthless and drained and just I feel terrible about who I am because that's what I do. You know, it became right. what kind of life is that if right. you can't even enjoy a little bit of it? There's right. a, there's a certain degree of, you know, you don't want to be su- like just complete suffering, but you got everything right, and then or completely on the other end of the spectrum where it's all pleasure. There's like a, a middle path. Right. And there, there should be, there needs to be, you know, we need balance in our lives, you know, and it, it sucks when there is no balance. You can tell yourself that you're the healthiest person on the planet, but are you really? Right. Yeah. Are you mentally healthy? If right. Exactly. Healthy, There's so many different, different forms of health. I've also yeah. been looking into like my human design recently. I don't know if you've, heard anything of that yet it's like astrology but on another level (laughs) it's like science and astrology but i thought it was crazy at first my wife like kept being like this stuff is so cool people like figure their whole lives out and i was like finally like all right i'll do it you just like enter information like your birthday or something and whatever into this little thing on the internet and it tells you all these traits about yourself which i was like oh my god these are like me to a t it's like scary how accurate it is. And oh, wow. there's just things like, you know, some people like my wife is this one profile that she has more energy. And then like my profile is like, you're more efficient, but you need more rest. And I'm like, huh. Now that I like think about that, it's like, yeah, that's true. I like to be very efficient and I get burnt out real easily when I'm trying to keep up with people going really hard. <laughs> so there's just so many levels of like whether it that is like a legitimate thing or not. It's like, I really notice that about myself. And I'm, that's like what I'm currently working on now is finding how to use my efficiency to keep myself from burning out too much. And it's just like so many levels and degrees of people that's so unique and everything is just not one size fits all. That is really cool. And what was that called again? Human design. Human design. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna have to look that up. Newer, new kind of weird thing to get into, but I don't know. I'm diving into it deep lately. I'm like getting everybody I know to do theirs. I'm like, I want to know more about you. I did my kids. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, you do act like that. Like (laughs) one of the there's like the different lines. So I'm like a four line and a six line, and like the six line is like the profile is like you're gonna spend your first 30 years just testing everything then when you become 30 you're gonna start putting it all together and then like when you're 50 you'll be like a genius at what works in life and wisdom i'm like huh i did spend the first 30 years of my life being completely reckless and seeing what would happen (laughs) it's just like it's almost scary how accurate these things are yeah i'm gonna have to look that up i'm actually writing it down right now design That's interesting. Who inspires you the most? Oh, man. That's a that's a tough question. I get inspiration <laughs> from so many places. I mean, I have some good mentors that inspire me. My family inspires me. Just books I read, videos I watch. I couldn't even start. Um, yeah, that's that's a hard question for me. Yeah. Have you ever had any like mentors or anything that have helped you to get through the hard times? Honestly, I haven't started seeking out mentors until I got through most of the hard times. Like 
personal mentors in real life. Yeah. But I mean, there has been just books I've read that kind of, I guess you could say mentored me in a way, but I did a lot of stuff on my own. A lot of, a lot of the struggling was done just by myself. Well, yeah. I guess with my wife, though, my wife, Emily, has been through most of the change with me. We've been together for a decade now. And it's like we really wow. together started because we met both of us for like a real dark time in our lives and just in that party phase. And like at some point we just decided, you know what, let's just if we're going to be together for a while, we can't die together. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So we just started kind of self-development together over the years. Like how I said, it was a slower process. It's like, she's been there for so much of it. And still now we'll take like online courses or coaching together. And like in the morning, she does some of the stuff with me. So we're always working on ourselves together. And that's been a big part of it. And, you know, she inspires me to do everything I do. She might be the biggest inspiration to me just because I like she gives me those extra little pushes when I need them. And I'm over here like I want to be the man you need in your life. So I'm going to work on myself. I want to be the dad that our kids need. So that keeps me from straying from the path I'm on. Oh, that's cool. That is really neat. And I know for a lot of people, it can be really difficult to get through the dark times with somebody else who's also been through dark times because they start developing a code of uh, a codependency relationship. How did you guys avoid going the unhealthy routes to be able to have this healthy relationship now? I don't know that it was completely avoided. Yeah. I mean, we've had ups and downs, but overall it's just, we're just a good team together. I can't explain how or why. It's yeah. like when people say like, oh, I met the one. I still don't think that's a real thing. But at the same time, I'm like, we just work so well together. Like I've never been able to work this well with anybody else. And that's, that's cool. just a big, I'm just lucky, I guess. I found someone that goes along with myself. Because I know a lot of people like they want to improve their lives, but their spouse doesn't want to. They yeah. want to eat better, but their spouse doesn't want to get rid of the junk food in the house or whatever, or they think they're crazy for going to some self-development kind of thing or even reading a book. So it's hard when you're conflicted like that. And most of the time it's too late once you're already married and have kids to be like, oh, maybe this wasn't the right partner. Whoops. <laughs> right. But at the same time, if it's not working, I don't know, maybe it's your wake up call to go if you need to improve yourself. Right. Yeah, and yeah, that is absolutely the case, I believe, when it comes to especially substance abuse and domestic violence and that kind of stuff, because if you're stuck in that kind of a situation, it's it's really difficult to get out. It's even more difficult and mostly impossible to change the situation while you're still there. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've had a lot of people try to argue that point, too. And they're like, well, no, because, you know, you can. You can make things better for yourself. Well, you cannot control other people. You cannot okay. control what other people are going to do or say, or how they're going to react. You, the only source that you can control is you and your own reactions to things. So exactly. do you really want to be reacting to this for the rest of your life? 
these are things I tell my four-year-old. I can't imagine where he's going to be in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, you can't control your brother. You can only control yourself. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully your four-year-old is going to grow up to be an incredible human being, kind of like you. Um, I mean, able that's the to... hope. Yeah. Right? He's his own person. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, hopefully he'll, he'll do kind of the same thing and mentor people through some hard times because he's got a really good role model to look up to while he's being raised here. I appreciate that. So where would someone start if they wanted to change their own circumstances? Ah, depends where they're starting from. You know, there's people that started from rock bottom, like just came out of rehab and have to work their way up from there. There's people who are millionaires who are hundred pounds overweight. They're just in bad relationships. They have bad self-talk, but they figured out the money part. So it, it all depends where you started <laughs> yeah. in your life or where you are starting in your life, where you need to start. Like Again, it's not like a one size fits all, but you have to have the desire for improvement. Right. So that's, that's one common thing where people need to start is that they have to say to themselves and commit to themselves that they want to change if they want to make a change. Because the world around you is not going to make that change for you. You know, you can't control everyone else, but you can control yourself and you have to make the choices <laughs> for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And those choices can be really hard to face sometimes. And you got to make darn sure that you're ready. Because once you, once you start down that path, you can really discourage yourself by doing the yo-yo method. Mm -hmm. you're, you're down for it. You're not down for it. You're ready for it. You're not ready for it eventually you start thinking, I just can't do this. You just have to make sure that you're ready to do this and then dive in. Do right. It. Or hire somebody who keeps you accountable. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like you, right. A personal development coach. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so if people wanted to reach out to you to be able to get your help, how would they do that? Um, I am very available on Instagram at real John Sacco. If you DM me on there, I will respond probably almost immediately unless I'm doing something with the kids. But usually that's where I interact with most people. Very cool. Instagram. What a lifesaver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how do you celebrate your wins in life when something really goes well? I, that's something I actually need to work more on is celebrating the wins. Cause I usually just like when something happens, I'm like, yes, I did it. And then I like move on. Like what's next? <laughs> and I really don't take the time I need to appreciate those wins. So I've been like, I recently just made a list of like accomplishments and stuff to like refer back to from time to time. Cause I don't give those wins enough appreciation and respect, but you know, sometimes like we'll have my wife or I, we both are business owners and we'll have like a good week or something. We'll go out to celebrate like for dinner or something, but nice. nothing too extravagant. Right. Right. Nothing like the old days. That's a good thing. No. Yeah. The <laughs> old days I would have been like, Oh, look, I did something slightly good. I'm going to go drink as much as possible <laughs> to celebrate. And then the next day I'm like taking 20 steps back. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I bought yeah. myself a new pair of shoes. Let's go tie one on. I mean, more or less, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Show you shoes off at the bar. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've had those days, you know, I've had those. Days. A lot of people have. <laughs> and there's always one last question that I love to ask 
my guests before I let them go. It's always my favorite question. What is one thing that you absolutely love about yourself that's not related to your physical appearance? Mm. You know, that is a good question. And I don't think about that enough. But I think like my ability to form and keep relationships with people, I'm noticing that is a quality not everybody has. Right. And like, just like I was saying before, somebody contacts me from Facebook from high school, like 20 years ago or whatever it is now. And like, I'm still just right there. Like, hey, how you been? <laughs> I'm just yes. like, I'm good with my network of people. And I like that about myself because to me, community is a big part of life. And just being able to make those connections I feel like very fortunate because there's a lot of people that just feel so alone out there and yes. I don't ever really feel alone. There's always somebody I can reach out to. That's pretty beautiful. Yeah. I grew up in a military household myself and moved so often that I didn't know what it meant to have a sense of community until I was in my forties. Mm. I know that loneliness that you speak of. I yeah, lived yeah, it for a long time. That's pretty amazing. awesome. Nope. Yeah. Well, John, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. I really appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. I love everything about your your Instagram page is pretty cool, too. Um, I love everything about what it is that you're doing out there in the world. And keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure you check out the episode description. There you'll find links on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support the podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted. I can say that. I work for myself. In short, this show really is all about the guest. If you've enjoyed their interview, please feel free to let them know. You can also tune in to my other podcast, Growth from Darkness, which is co-hosted by a lovely lady from Australia. We talk about what trauma responses are and healthy ways to move beyond the past. For more information, just go to growthfromdarkness.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash growthfromdarkness. Darkness.